He is risen. Well done. So for the last three weeks of this lockdown, Pastor Dan and I have been bringing you messages that we have written or rewritten uh, just for this time of, of the pandemic and, and the quarantine. But I wonder today if we might do something different by doing something the same. I wonder if today I might bring to you the message that was originally written for Easter before we knew coronavirus and and all of those things. Um, And I want to do it for this reason, because these words were true before and they're true during and they will be true after. What is Easter? But our celebration of the promise of the resurrection and of the promises of God, right? What is Easter if not a reminder that no matter what times we go through, the good or the bad, that in the end, God's love and Christ's resurrection on the cross wins out. No matter how our life goes, up, down, in between, in the end, God's kingdom comes and we are with him for all eternity. All eternity to celebrate and say that he is risen He is risen indeed. And so in that vein, I'd like us to begin this morning in John chapter 20. We're beginning in verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. So which Mary are we talking about here? We're not talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus. Here we're talking about Mary Magdalene. They called her that because she was from Magdala, so she was the Magdalene. And she is one of the disciples of Jesus. In fact, uh, considered by some in the early church to be equal in status with all the male disciples. Mary Magdalene is spoken of often. And as we're about to see, she is one of the first to, to encounter the risen Christ Jesus. Which morning is this then? Of course, this is Easter morning. This is the morning uh, following his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, and his burial. And who is Mary Magdalene? She's one of the followers of Jesus, and she and all the disciples at this point are very young, young and full of hope. I mean, they've been following this young rabbi, Jesus. He's not very old himself, probably in his early 30s. And they feel like that they are following someone who's going to change the world. They are part of a movement that's going to make a real difference in Israel, and they believe in the whole world. Now, some of them had figured out by this time that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God. Many others believed that he was at least the Messiah, the one sent to save the people, and they were a part of his movement. They were full of passion and hope. And now, this has happened. He was arrested in the night. He was taken into a fake trial, condemned on false charges. And he was executed after being tortured. And now all at once, it's all over. Now what's to become of them, these young people who had so much hope for the future? What's the point now? What was it all for? Do you remember when you were young and what you hoped for? Some of you are young. Some of you are full of those hopes right now. Do you remember the things that you hoped for? 
The way you look at the world around you, some of you are doing this right now at your stage of life and saying, there are things I'm going to do differently. There are things about the way everyone lives that I'm not going to take part in, things that I'm going to fix. We're going to rise together. We're going to be part of changing the world and making a new world and a better world. I don't necessarily have to do what my parents did or what their parents did. We can do better. Some of that is just pure youthful fantasy. But some of it's right. Some of it's right and true. There are things that need to change. And there are ways we need to change and grow. And there are things that were done by our ancestors or even our own family that we don't want to repeat. We want to rise above and fix and improve upon. So if that's how you think or how you once thought, then you can identify with Mary at the tomb. That's what she was like. She wanted to be part of something bigger than herself, and she was. But what I want to ask is, how has that turned out for you? Let's be honest. For some of us, life has taken a lot harder turn than we expected. I'm talking about before COVID-19. Some of us, it just didn't turn out how we thought. We didn't turn out to be who we thought we'd be. Some of us are just living beyond a nagging sense of purposelessness. Like, what's the point to it all? I mean, things are going fine. You're pretty stable. Everyone will look at you and think you have it all together. But you wake up each morning, you go to work, you do the family thing, you come home, you wake up, you do it all again. And somewhere in the back of your mind, there's this nagging question, why? What's the point to all of this? I wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. Where did that go? Now, some of you wish you could have lofty questions like, what's the purpose of life? Some of you listening to this message right now are facing some serious dangers. Some of you are in danger of losing your family. Some of you are in danger for your health or your life because of sickness, because of addiction, and Before COVID-19, you were in those dangers, some of you. Some of you are in danger of losing your jobs and bankruptcy. Some because of the virus, some that was already happening before. Some of you are in danger of harming yourself. I mean, so many dangers, they cannot all be listed. Some of you face. So when you're with Mary at the garden, wondering What happened? What happened to all the promise and all the hope and all the dreams that I had and how I thought things were going to go? You have a friend there in the garden in her. You're with someone who knows what it is to have hoped for a great deal and had it all somehow slip away. Verse 11. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stood and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. And right here is our first sign that our story is about to turn From a tragedy into a comedy. 
because of all the horrible things that have happened, and this has been horrible. She just looked into the tomb, saw two angels, spoke to them, and missed it. Now, I'm guessing that they didn't have wings and glow in the dark. I hope she wouldn't have missed that. But she did look into the tomb and see two guys in white robes sitting in a grave talking to her, and she just kind of was so distraught about what was going on in the present or uh, about what the future was going to hold that she completely missed what was happening here in the present. Does that sound familiar? That she was so distraught about what the future would hold that she missed what God's doing right here in the present. Then she turns around. Verse 14. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you've put him and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. She is like a first grader in the grocery store who sees the first grade teacher and just stares like and doesn't know who it is because kids don't realize that their teachers exist outside the school. They're not expecting to see their teacher at the grocery store. And so when they do, a lot of times they don't know who it is for a minute. That's okay for kids, but can an adult do this? Can an adult hear the voice and, and possibly see the face of someone they know well that maybe they've known for years and not recognize him? Can that really happen? Evidently, I guess so. Because watch this video we found on YouTube uh, when a guy uh, goes into an office building and, and meets someone that he doesn't recognize. We have people stand right where I'm standing many times a year and they give their testimony. They, they tell their story of what God has done in their life. And if you listen, you're going to hear about 80% of those stories end with something like this. Even though I gave up on God, I found out that he never gave up on me. God never stopped chasing me. God was always in my life, even when I didn't know it. Now, I'm asking you this morning, might that also be true of you? For Mary, the moment of recognition happens when Jesus says her name, Mary. He must have had a way of saying it. You know, everybody in our family has a way of saying our name. that We immediately recognize who it is. And she immediately recognized the voice of Jesus when he said her name. Is today the day that you can finally hear Jesus saying your name? Since we brought up Harry Potter, I'd compare it to that moment when in the first first book or the first film, when he's going to wizard school for the first time and they're buying all his supplies, right? And so he's got an armload of wands and cauldrons and books and things like that. And he asks the obvious question, how am I going to pay for all this? 
And, and Hagrid says, don't you know? And he takes him to the wizard bank and they open a vault, a vault with his name on it. And there's a mountain of treasure, enough to last many lifetimes, set aside for him before he was even born by his father. That's what God is like. He's set aside a treasure for us already, whether we know it or not. It's like the time when my wife and I first got married and we had rented this dumpy little house. It was cute for us, but it was built in the 1930s and it was dumpy. And uh, then we, I mean, the carpet in that house, it looked like a roadkill deer pelt had been nailed to the floor. It was really, really old and worn out. But we went on our honeymoon. We had a great time and we came back ready to build our life together. And when we walked back into that house, her parents had come in and recarpeted the rental house at their own expense. Bright, clean carpet. And we went into the kitchen and they had fully stocked the refrigerator and all the cabinets. They were filled with everything you would need to start a life together, like people had been living there for years. What a gift. God is like that. He offers you a new life and you say, okay, I'm ready to start building that. And then you walk in and you find out he's already stocked it with all the things you might need. They're all there waiting for you to just start rummaging through the cabinets and seeing what he's left for you. It's like that time I was a senior at high school and uh, I was a seven day a week karate student back then. Every night, that's where I was, karate dojo. And uh, so I'm at the sink at my house. I'm getting a drink of water, you know, rehydrate, rehydrate. But this night was different because I'm a senior and I'm thinking, what happens next year? What happens now? Do I go to college? I was the first person in my family to ever go to college. How does that happen? Where will I go? Will I go? And as I'm sitting there thinking about the future, a sound drifts to me from the dining room. It was right there. My dad was leading a Bible study in our home. Different folks from church and neighbors and stuff were gathered. And they were talking about God's call on our life and how God has equipped us for his mission in the world and how he gives us what he needs. And I just walked over and leaned against the doorway to the dining room and I listened to the wisdom that was pouring out of him. A wisdom I had taken no interest in. And I thought, this is happening right under my own roof and I didn't know it. The word of God and the exact answer to my question about the future is being proclaimed right here in my own house and I'm missing it? I'm not taking an interest in it? I called my instructor and I got off of the Wednesday night schedule and I told my dad, I'd like to get in on your next study. And he gave me this little book. Uh, Philippians, they were getting ready to start the book of Philippians in the Bible. This was my first Bible study. It's got my name in the front, 1991. 17, 18 years old. We get down to chapter one, verse 12. And I wrote, or it says, how, how can you follow Paul's example with regard to his attitude? And I said, I could witness more. Sometimes I make decisions and then I seem embarrassed to tell others the Christian reasons that I made that decision. I should expound freely 
Not to be pompous, but to show how Christ is active in my life. This study was the beginning of everything, and it was right there in my own house the whole time, just waiting for me to notice. I wanted a future and a new life, and it turns out Jesus was standing right there in the dining room holding it out to me. Are you really here by accident this morning? Did you log on to this by accident? Did someone forward you this? Who was it? How'd you meet that person? Did you meet them by accident? Or is this the culmination of something? Is God standing with you, sitting with you right where you are, saying your name? What is he holding out to you right now? Verse 16. Mary, Jesus said, she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the father, but go find my brothers and tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. And then she gave them his message. Don't cling to me yet, he says. Don't get used to me here in this form, just with you. Don't hold me here. I've got to move on. I've got something else to become a part of that's going to let everyone cling to me. But go and tell my brothers that I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. The victory is won. And this is what happened next. For the next 40 days, he appears to them off and on. And he shows them how their Bible, what we call the Old Testament, but that's all they had at that time. He shows them how their Bible pointed to this moment and these events all along from the very beginning. And then he ascends to heaven and he sends them into the world with a new power, the Holy Spirit, which is the presence of Jesus that we can cling to through all time, in all parts of the world, at every moment of the day, forever. God has made a way. This is the good news that they're spreading, that God has made a way for all to be forgiven and for all to know God. Now, right now, you're in a church because the good news is being proclaimed to you. So wherever you're listening to this, in your car, on your phone, sitting somewhere in your own living room, you have transformed that space around you then into a church because a church is a place where this mission of God is proclaimed. Now, I know that a lot of people only visit a church once or twice a year. I know of one pastor who gets up on Easter morning and he says, Happy Easter, everyone. And in case I don't see you next time, Merry Christmas. But I want to ask you, what if it wasn't that way for you? 